evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Authors Access, where authors get published and published authors get successful. Hi, I'm Irene Watson, and I am the Managing Editor of Reader Views in Austin, Texas. And I'm Tyler Tischler, the owner of Marquette Fiction and Superior Book Promotions in Marquette, Michigan. And I'm Victor Volkman with Loving Healing Press in Ann Arbor, Michigan. It's March 30th, 2009, and welcome to episode number 83 in our series. Tonight's topic is the 2009 Marketing Roundtable, Part 2, and we'll have a conversation about the good, the bad, and the ugly of marketing. You can learn more about all of us on the Authors Access website, which is authorsaccess.com. We'd love to hear your questions and comments about tonight's show. Please send them to info at authorsaccess.com. Now, we've got a full docket on the table this evening, so I'm going to be very brief with our bios. Irene Watson is, of course, the author of The Sitting Swing, Finding the Wisdom to Know the Difference, the proprietor of Reader Views Incorporated, bloggingauthors.com, Inside Scoop Live, Rebecca's Reads, and many other publicity and marketing-related activities. Tyler Tischler is the owner of Marquette Fiction and the author of the Marquette Trilogy, a saga of 150 years on the shores of Lake Superior, and he is the proprietor of Superior Book Promotions a full-service literary and editorial consulting firm. And I'm Victor Volkman, the publisher behind Loving Healing Press and Modern History Press, with a full line of books on trauma recovery, personal growth, and coping with disabilities. And I'm also the editor of numerous anthologies, including my latest, More Than a Memory, Reflections of Vietnam. All right. Well, if you missed part one of this broadcast, we suggest that you go back afterwards to learn more about Amazon book launches, online author readings and podcasts, editing and proofing, awards programs, book giveaways, author and publisher associations, and a few other things. And once again tonight, we're going to have a free-for-all discussion on many critical book marketing aspects. This time we'll be covering social networking, public events and sales, book videos, professional appearances, co-op flyer mail-outs, website for authors, and famous marketing mistakes. This evening, we're going to start off with uh, Tyler. is going to give us some background on social networking for authors and, and what unique opportunities there are. Tyler. Thank you, Victor. Well, I'm going to start out by just kind of telling you what I've done um, and how I've uh, gotten publicity for my books through social networking. I started out by creating for myself a MySpace page, and there there are tons of different uh, social networking sites out there, and I'll, I'll mention all of them that I do have um, do have presences on. There's uh, MySpace, Facebook, LinkedIn, Authors Den, Shelfari, Library Thing. I'm I'm listed on all of those. I know there's a lot more out there that I could be listed on. It's just a matter of finding the time to stay active on all of them. And I specifically prefer um, MySpace and Facebook. I tend to go on those almost every day. The others, if I hit them once every week or two, I'm, I'm probably doing well. Uh, MySpace was the first one that I went on. And when I got on there, the first thing that I did was when I, when I built my profile, I listed all of my books, what they were all about, and I made certain that my, rather than putting up my own picture, I put my book cover up there so that everybody would see my book cover whenever they came to my site. And then from there, what I did was I 
went out and found friends. You, you add friends. They can be either people that you know or people that you would like to know. Um, and really, they end up being strangers until you get to the point where you have hundreds or thousands of friends. But the, but the point of doing that is when you add a friend, you can then post comments on their MySpace page, and they can do the same to your MySpace page. And the advantage of that is that when you post those comments, since my book cover is the profile picture, every time I post a comment on somebody's page, my book cover shows up on their page. And so the more comments I post, the more my book cover is getting seen all over MySpace. And so I've, I've done that um, to the point where anytime I get a friend request, I take it, I go out and find friends. And uh, MySpace and Facebook and most of the sites also have all kinds of search options so that you can look for people that you know, or you can even target specific areas. So for example, you can find the university that you went to school at, and you can add all the people that went to that university. If you think your book is going to appeal to them because of um, some connection maybe to the university or to the local area, um, that's a great way to target to those people. Uh, my books are local fiction. They're set in Marquette or Upper Michigan. So I can go on and I can do searches for everybody that lives within a 50-mile radius of Marquette and add those people as my friends to make, um, to make it clear or, or to get attention for my book to people that are, you know, are my, my best audience. Uh, another advantage on, on MySpace and lots of these other sites is they have all kinds of groups that you can join. And there are just tons of book organizations, everything from people that just simply like to read books to groups for authors to groups for self-published authors and publishers. And by joining these groups, you can meet lots of people as well and, and have conversations with them. And I, I actually have found, especially with MySpace, I didn't end up selling as many books as I did making contacts, which you know, is why it's called social networking. I, I made contact with lots of people in the book industry, people that own um, bookstores, other publishers, uh, people that do different kinds of editing work, all, all kinds of people in all kinds of different fields. And made friends with a lot of those people, participate in different groups with them. And uh, you, can, you can also do things like have blogs for people to read, people subscribe to your blog. You can send out a bulletin to all of your friends. And then they have updates on what you're doing. So you can constantly change your status. And so simply putting something like announcing that you have a new book out on your status will update that to all of your friends. So you're getting constant, uh, constant attention that way for your book. And the different sites, they're all a little bit different. Um, you know, Facebook's a little bit different than MySpace. But uh, they all have different ways that you can get attention for your book. And you know, I, I think they're a great way just to get the word out there. It's completely free to be on these sites, and you get your face all over the internet, and you you just you never know. You never know who you're going to meet out there, and you never know uh, what the what the result of it's going to be. And Tyler, I uh, so agree with you that it's important to uh, belong to these social networking, you know, uh, sites. At at first, when they start coming out, and I just I resisted. And I know that there are a lot of other people that do resist also, but once I found myself going on them, I connected. And I think it was more on a personal level that worked for me because I connected with a cousin that I had not seen or heard of or talked to for probably the last 25 years. And that just gave me an inspiration. And since then, I've met a lot of different authors. 
So maybe you can just expand more, uh, Tyler, to our listening audience about the importance of, let's say, joining a group. You had mentioned earlier that you know you maybe didn't sell as many books as you would hope to have through the social networking, but you know what benefits did you really get out of being on these groups? Well, the the group that I most enjoyed belonging to was on MySpace, and it was um, it was called the Self Publishing Group. And I haven't participated as much lately, but when I first started out, I thought it was really helpful, and it's actually. Um, moderated by Brad Grochowski, who owns Authors Bookshop, and he's been one of our guests on here before. And so it, it really was a bunch of authors, uh, self-published authors on there, trying to find different ways to uh, promote their books and to ask questions. And, uh, you know, you can, you can it's, like a, it's like a forum. You can post different topics. And so you would post different suggestions, like what are... What are marketing things that have worked for you, or maybe you put out an idea, a marketing idea, and get responses to it? Um, I think one of the ideas I got from there was bumper stickers. I, I decided to put bumper stickers on my car with my website address and with pictures of my book covers, and now everywhere I drive, people see my my website address <laughs> on the back of my car, and that you know that was something an idea that I got from from belonging to MySpace and. And it works. I, I, I notice people all the time. I'll, I'll look in my rearview mirror at the person behind me, and I can tell that they're, um, you know, they're sitting there at the stoplight reading my bumper sticker. <laughs> so cool. Just all kinds of different ideas that you can exchange there on, uh, uh, in the, in these groups and get ideas. And I, I know that there are ones specifically for writers where people can post pieces of their writing and, um, you know, critique critique the writing. And they're really great for people who are maybe, um, especially as authors, we tend to be very shy and not want to necessarily go out and talk to people. But it's a lot easier for many of us to talk to people through the computer, and, and this is really a great way to do it. And it's also a great advantage for people who aren't authors that might be readers who are on these sites because they get to talk to you, the author, and to you, to uh to them, you're a celebrity. I've had many people comment to me about how neat it is to meet an author, how wonderful it is that I actually will write back to them or post a comment on their page if they write to me. And it's just a real way for uh, a person to have a contact with their audience, you know, in, in a way that, that was not possible before the Internet began. So, yeah, that's cool. They've got some of the benefits of, like, doing... Uh, you know, a bookstore event where you get to meet people, except you don't have to stand there for four hours. <laughs> yeah, and you can fit into your schedule at any time you want. You can yeah. go on there at 3 in the morning if you want. You can do it at 2 in the afternoon. You don't have to, you know, be be stuck within the bookstore schedule. Great. Before we move on, I want to throw out one question. I'll ask Irene first. What kind of success have you had with Twitter? I've tried a lot, and I don't really know if it's working. <laughs> <laughs> well, today I'm, I'm upset, and I'm going to tell you why, because this is one of those marketing mistakes that we were going to talk about later, but since you asked me the question, I'm going to tell you. I think Twitter is good, but what happens, what I find, is some people are overusing it. Some authors are posting every hour, and that is just totally unacceptable. And what happens also, I notice, that once they post on Twitter, it also goes on my Facebook uh, page. 
And I go to my Facebook, and I've got a whole page from the same person. It's little links, or I'm not even sure what it is, but it's, that's too much. Once or twice a day is ample. Once is plenty. But when it comes to be eight, ten times per day, that's, it, that is not unacceptable. And the, um, but otherwise on Twitter, I think that it's good. And I, unblogging uh, authors, this is a new site that I uh, just took over recently and didn't come with any, we didn't get the names of people that used to visit, but now we're creating a new list. And I'm finding that Every day we're getting at least four, five, six, maybe sometimes ten people sign up on Twitter. Wow. And yeah, yeah. And so I think it's working. I think it really is. Now, I can't say that we've, you know, monetized from that yet, but at least we're getting the author's book information out there. Cool. Tyler, have you been tweeting? Uh, no, actually I haven't. It's been on my to-do list. <laughs> Just one of those, one of those things I've been resisting because, I, I you know, I, I wonder, um, and I don't know. I need to be more educated about it. I wonder how effective it is if you're not going to be on there every single day. And, and I, I dread the thought of having to post something every single day. Um, you know, it, for now, like I said, MySpace and Facebook. If I spend an hour a day on there, I, I, I mean, I, I don't know that I want to spend more than an hour a day doing that. So. You know, it, it, it's definitely something down the road, and I've definitely been thinking about it, but it hasn't quite developed yet. Yeah, yeah, it's it's technology we're all still trying to wrap our arms around, so we're we're just doing the best we can. All right, let's move on to one of my favorite subjects: uh, public events and sales outside the bookstore. You know, inside the bookstore, you you've got your whatever two or three hour window, and you get a certain amount of traffic, but you can really get Maybe well, easily ten times or more traffic at at public events, and I'm going to talk about two specific types of public events I've done, which I'll sort of break into book fairs and exhibitions. Of course, there are many other types of events, but I'm only going to talk about the ones where I've had personal experience. And again, um, I'm in the nonfiction genre, so whether this, how much of this carries over to fiction, is certainly up to you to decide. So let's start off with book fairs. Uh, a book fair is something that's usually tied to a specific geographic area, which could be a city, such as the Ann Arbor Book Festival, the Carytown Book Festival, or it can be a statewide event like the Arizona Book Festival. Sometimes they're sponsored by a group whose sole purpose is to maintain the festival, and other times they're put together by a library system, such as the Southfield Public Library, at a book festival I was at a couple of years ago. Uh, the bad news is, for me anyway, I've had extremely poor luck with book fairs. Ironically, these seem to be the wor worst place in the world to uh, sell a book. I guess, well, maybe if you're a speaker, you have better luck. But if you're not a speaker, I've, I've had really bad results. Many of these are outdoor events, which I specifically disrecommend. Books don't really like any kind of weather. Uh, I've had gallons of rain dumped on my books and seen neighboring booths take flight uh, a la Dorothy in the Wizard of Oz. I remember one uh, afternoon with my wife, we were at the Yoga for Peace and a, a windstorm kicked up out of nowhere. We were literally holding onto the poles for, for dear life. Uh, so <laughs> your big tent canopies are much like sailboat sails when the wind comes along. 
And another thing, a negative aspect of having books under a tent is that many crowds associate that with a bargain book sale because I know Borders does occasionally does events where they haul out a truckload of books under a tent and everything's 50% off. So you get the bargain hunters and the people don't see the bargains. They don't even break their pace. They just keep on moving. And also the lighting underneath the tent isn't that great for reading. I don't know if you've noticed that. I've gone so far as to buy fluorescent hanging lights uh, like you'd use in a garage and even Christmas lights to, to make the tents look a little more appealing. Nevertheless, I have far more horror stories than success stories to share about outdoor book fairs. For example, at the Southfield Library event, our tents were so far from the library entrance that there was hardly more than a dozen visitors divided up between more than a dozen exhibitors. And you also have to, I hate to say it, but the quality of the authors who show up for some of these book fairs is not necessarily that great. I mean, they tend to be first-time self-published people that are still, not to be too biased, but they're still finding their feet, okay? And you may end up with more inquiries from people who want to write a book than those who want to buy your book. Uh, that being said, indoor events, too, can be bad if they're not promoted properly. And that's obviously the responsibility of the fair owner to, t- to some degree. Uh, we went to one book fair at the biggest high school in Ann Arbor, probably one of the biggest ones in the county, on a Saturday afternoon. And still we only had a couple dozen people over the course of three hours at the fair. So not so much great stuff with book fairs. However, uh, exhibitions we've had better luck with. I've participated in two different types of exhibitions. Uh, Since we do a certain number of New Age books, we've gone to mind-body-spirit shows. And for our professional community, we go to these conferences of professional psychologists and social workers, and we highlight the books that belong to that community. The mind-body-spirit shows I found have the lowest exhibitor fees, and you get the most space for the money. However, there's not as many people with books at one of these types shows, so that's that can be an advantage because if there's someone out there looking for books, they're probably going to gravitate to your table. Uh, so if you do have uh, something in your product line that focuses on spiritual or healing aspects, these body-mind-spirit shows can be uh, really nice to go to. And I do do a lot of networking there. You meet a lot of people. And, uh, for example, I found uh, uh, bookstore owners that are interested in taking consignments and that sort of thing. And the other the other side of the coin is doing exhibits at professional events for social workers and psychologists. Uh, I could rattle off a whole list of them, but I've done the American Psychological Association and different chapters of the National Association of Social Workers. And uh, these nationwide associations often have statewide conferences and they're easy to get to i mean they're in your own state you can you can do it just by driving and so on and there aren't there's usually only one or two other booksellers so you can make a big splash uh, if this happens to be your market i'll just talk uh, a little bit about some of the sales tactics that we've used to uh, to get people interested uh, one thing that we do is we have uh, specials that we have to get people interested. And the best one that we found that works is uh, buy three books, get one free. Of course, this only works if you have four different titles or more to sell. But we find as soon as people, they pick up one book and they start to walk around, they find a second book, and then we just tell them, 
well, if you get one more, you get the fourth one free, uh, something like that. Uh, that's some of the basics ways that I've worked the book shows. Victor, you um, talked about the affairs, and uh, I, I just want to tell you that I had an experience very similar to yours. I uh, had sat at, with my book at a table at the Texas Book Festival, and it was the same thing. I, I sold one book, and it was to a person that was next to me. <laughs> it was next to me, yeah. And then, you know, people would, they would walk by, but they wouldn't even look at you. It's like they were almost afraid that you were going to entice them to come and, you know, make a expect them to buy or something and what I found also is after I was able to do walk, to walk around the busiest places were the places that sell, sold books by volumes and discounts that might have been maybe a dollar per book and as I looked around people were carrying shopping bags full of books wow. and that's why the buyers were there they weren't there to look at us the authors that you know would actually get an autographed book or talk to them uh, that were more so interested in buying from the bulk dealers. And uh, I also found, too, that I had a table in my book one time at a, it, it was a function where a lot of authors and writers were around, and my, I didn't sell any books either, because really other authors and writers are not interested, I found, in the yeah. that other authors and you know, sells. So uh, that was kind of, it was a good experiment to really see. And, you know, I put myself in that same place. I didn't buy anybody else's books either. So, but that was a good experiment to know that that just doesn't work in most cases. Maybe sometimes it does. Right. I think Tyler's had better luck than either of us. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I haven't actually gone to any book festivals. I, I have had some people bring my books to book festivals and not sold any copies. But I've actually had um, the, the most luck at craft and art and craft shows. Oh. And we have two two big shows here in the Marquette area that I go to every year. One is in the summer. Um, we have the Art on the Rocks show here, which is one of the biggest juried art shows in the Midwest. And they have a spin-off show, The Outback, for the locals. And I always go to that one. And I do very well there. And there are probably, any given year, I'd say there's maybe half a dozen local authors that are selling their books. But they, they tend to be spread out throughout the throughout the exhibits. And they have anywhere from about, I, I would say, a couple hundred different people exhibiting at these shows. So I, I usually do very well there. And I also do very well at Christmas, um, at the, um, the Christmas craft show that the television station here um, runs. Now that one we don't have, it's indoors, but again you have you have issues with the weather. This year I only sold maybe a third of what I've sold in past years simply because there was a blizzard in the middle of the weekend when they had the show. Yeah. Um, and and like you were saying, uh, Victor, I think you know if you offer some sort of special that helps a lot. Since I've written a trilogy, I'll usually sell my three novels for a discount. If people want to buy them at the show, which um, I've, I've sold lots of complete sets of my trilogy that way, and it's you know it's not something that I can do through the bookstores because they want a commission, so it's it's not worthwhile for me to do. Yeah. And I, as far as as far as gimmicks to try to get people to come to the table, I I don't know what uh, what you do there. I did I have tried to put candy on my table, and I found that everybody who comes up to the table takes the candy and doesn't buy the books. People that buy the books never take the candy. So. Exactly. Lose the candy, definitely. 
Yeah, I think, uh, you know, we just have to sort of find, um, and some of these things work for some and it doesn't for others, so but it doesn't hurt to try either. Yeah, I've got my latest toy. I bought a 15-inch digital picture frame because I had a really good deal on it. I'm going to kind of run a slideshow <laughs> of book covers and stuff, and maybe that'll bring some attention. I've got two shows coming up in the next month, which is why I'm, I've been thinking about this. Coming up on uh, April 15th and 16th, I'll be doing the, the Michigan National Social Workers Show in Lansing. And then on May 3rd, I'll be in Midland, Michigan with the National Association for the uh, Mentally Ill. Uh, it's the first time I've ever been there. So we'll see how it goes. Those digital frames are great. They certainly, people will stop and read them or look at them because it's motion. Oh. And people are attracted to motion. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's going to lead me into my topic of book videos. Right. I gave you the segue. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Book videos, also known as book teasers, also known as book trailers. Well, I'm going to start off saying right off the bat that book trailer is a copyrighted term and really should not be used. So I'm going to refer to this as that book videos. And basically they're much the same like a movie trailer and used for marketing. Movie trailers are used to entice people to go and see the movie and book book videos are enticing people to read the book. There's a new thing that has been around maybe a couple of years, but I think that it's accelerated more so in the last uh, six months that more and more authors are realizing that this is the way to go, and it's a new wave in marketing. Many uh, of the authors uh, post their uh, book videos on YouTube, and there's a whole variety of different sites, such as uh, Google and Yahoo and a lot of private uh, websites that uh, book videos can be put on. Now, this on those sites is a conglomeration of all kinds of videos. However, there is one that is dedicated specifically for book videos only, and that is yourbooktube.com. And this was just recently started, I think, in January. And uh, I know that there's, there are hundreds up there now. And so when, if you're going to do your own, I really suggest that you do a lot of research. I've seen some homemade ones that are really, really bad. It seems that some writers or authors feel that they need to cram as much information as possible into it and end up having about a three or four minute video. Well, that doesn't work. People's attention spans are not like they used to be. If you don't hook the person that's watching in the first 20 seconds, they're not going to finish watching the rest of the video. And so it's really important that the video is short, concise, to the point, and has that hook immediately to hook that potential buyer into viewing the rest of the video and just really seeing if this is maybe a book that um, they want to pursue. Also, when creating a video, it's really important to know your target audience and how that target audience buys. How are they really, how do they buy the book? Why, how are they, uh, are they spontaneous or are they methodical? Do they want the information to digest first and then think about it? Are they visual or do they need to hear the, uh, are they auditory where they need to hear the information? And so it's really important to profile the audience before 
you make your video so that you actually can target that video for that specific audience. You know, we sometimes go to um, and watch a video and it's like, this doesn't do a thing for me. And of course it doesn't because maybe that's not the type of a buyer you are. But the next person may see it and they'll say, oh, yeah, this is a great video. And that's because it's targeting that particular audience. So it's important to know your target audience, but it's also important to know that you have to target all types of personas in that video as it goes along, and that hook is really important. It's also important to have music because it really sets the tone. Even though a lot of people may not be auditory, it's the music in the background that does something to the brain system that will then take them to another level, and it's in the subconscious mind. It's also important to have a lot of movement of some sorts, either and I'm not talking like PowerPoint movement, but maybe a video in it or sometimes a flashing or um, the picture going in and out. But there's got to be movement to keep the potential buyer attracted. You know, there, um, there's a lot of, there are a lot of instructions on the web on how to make videos, but it's really important to just really look at those and look at a lot of different websites. I did some scanning of websites and there's some pretty bad instructions. In fact, there was one that uh, was suggesting to use a PowerPoint and that it only takes an hour and a half to create a book video. Well, my goodness, uh, yeah, if you use PowerPoint and a whole bunch of text and an odd picture here and there, maybe that's all it will take. But is your target audience really going to be receptive to watching it? The, um, it's got to be professional looking. I know that there are a lot of videos up there that, the authors are proud of what they did, and they should be because I'm sure that it took hours, it was a challenge, but you know, they're not professional, and PowerPoint will not give you the professional look. PowerPoint was just fine at the beginning when videos were first coming out because that's all that people knew. Now there's all kinds of equipment and programs to just to create a professional-looking video, and the more videos are out there, it's like websites or anything else. Everybody's wanting to make it better because we're inundated with videos. So you want yours better and more attractive. And so it's important then, you know, what is it? Um, what are the people really going to be attracted to? They're going to be attracted to images. So it's important to have good images. It's important to have music. It's important to have the flow. It's important to have a good storyboard that is short, concise, and has that hook. And maybe voiceover because there are people that will only grasp it through the auditory. And so it may be important to have voiceover. And the other important thing is to be original. Create your own. Be creative and make it different. Make it as your trademark. Make it as your brand. And, of course, the bottom line at the end is there needs to be a call to action because the bottom line is that you want them to buy your book. Wow. That's a really great uh, summation. I can hardly think of anything that I would add to that. <laughs> well, I tell you, we've been making videos for several years now, and I've learned a lot, and I've seen a lot, and uh, it's important to just really know your target audience. You know, creating a book video is no different than creating any other marketing piece. <laughs> as well as you're writing your book, know your target audience and how they buy because that is the most important thing is knowing 
call your target audience eyes. And uh, Ecclesia is just one way of really targeting that target audience. So, uh, Irene, do you uh-huh. do you know anything about who the people are that are buying books that are that are looking at book videos? I, I guess I'm wondering, like you mentioned, that people put them on um, YouTube, for example. How how do people find the videos, or do they do they just tend to watch them on a website? It, it's like an extra boost to buying the book, or do we know anything in terms of? I believe, How well book videos sell books? Yeah, I, I believe. I don't think that there's really anybody that has made any research out of this, and I'm not sure that you really can, you know, get some um, concrete data as to how many books are sold because of videos. But I know that this is just another marketing tool. And so by having a book video, it's just another tool that you use besides press releases or besides using social networking. It's just another way to get people exposed and there again it's the target audience is how do the how does your target audience buy your target audience tyler may be auditory and they need to hear about your book they may not be able to you know you may have a post on facebook and it just may just go past them but if you have a video on your facebook it will attract those people that are maybe visual or auditory if you have voiceover so, you know, it's just really, it's hitting the target uh, market. And one thing I could, I do know that uh, a video that we did uh, about a year and a half ago for an author, and she was self-published, and she used the video and sent it to an agent. And uh, that agent was so impressed with what was the content of the video that she took her on and ended up with the um, selling the book, and now she's traveling all over the world with the book so and made a six figure income on it yeah and so and the agent said it was because of the uh, video that we made for her so who knows that, that would convince me right there <laughs> yeah i'm sold <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah all right well this is a good uh good segue into uh professional appearance and tyler's got some remarks on that subject yeah, I, I appreciate what Irene was saying about how you want your your book video to look professional, and really, you every everything that you do, you want to carry across a professional image as much as possible. And I, I say that having seen many authors um, make uh, make some mistakes in, in terms of their their appearance, simply you know a matter of just how you dress, picking the appropriate clothing when you appear in public um, you know you, you want to think about who are the people that are going to be at the events that you're going to be at and you know to what degree do you want to dress above them or at the same level as they are but I, I, I think it's if in doubt I think it's always best to dress up more than to dress down when you're an author just simply because we we as authors, we often tend to forget that other people think we're celebrities. We may not think we're celebrities, but other people think we're celebrities. And so you want to, uh, you know, you want to um, convey that image to people that you are successful, that you have um, you have something important to say. And you know, by wearing a, a suit or a tie or your high heels or whatever it is, um, you know, you're, you're going to get that get that message across to people. And I also think that psychologically there's a, there's a huge um, benefit 
to an author in dressing the part because it makes you feel better and uh, you then will project that onto the audience. You'll feel more confident as, as a result of that. And I just want to um, tell a story of, of, a, of uh, something that I did myself when I first started out as an author about the same time that my first book was published. I took a class in the Law of Attraction, which just basically is teaching you how to manifest what you want in life. And what I wanted to do was to be a successful author. And the last night of that class, um, what we were supposed to do is, is come to the class and pretend as if it was a year after the class and what we wanted had actually happened. And so I got all dressed up, wore my, wore my suit, and... Uh, went to the class and announced to the class that I had been on Oprah Winfrey's show and sold my book. And I brought a picture of Oprah with me, and I had uh, I had forged her name on there and, and had her <laughs> say something like, congratulations, Tyler, I'm your biggest fan, love Oprah. Brought it with me to show to everybody. And it, it's just a matter of acting the part, acting as if, and convincing yourself that it has happened. You know that whatever it is that you that you are this successful author, and then you feel better about yourself. You convey that to your audience, and then you know you you impress them, you convince them, and then they're going to be more likely to buy your book. They're going to be more likely to be impressed by you. So really, just acting the part, act the part of an author. People expect you to be an author. You have to um, you know meet that expectation for them. What I'm hearing you say, yeah, Tyler is. <laughs> professionalism it's being a professional really yeah, yeah. You, you don't you don't want to go with your you know your baseball cap and your jeans it's, it's basically what I'm what I'm saying yeah. when you go to your your events unless you're going to uh, I don't know unless you're in a baseball book and you're going to Yankee Stadium sign books then maybe but you know think about the think about the place that you're going and the you know the people that you're going to meet and what they expect from you I think that's so important and I agree with you and I wanted to add to this that uh, Tyler is also uh, the professional looking photos. You know, there are some... Yes. I think it's important to also have a professional looking photo of yourself, a headshot on the book and on the website. There are many that, uh, you know, <laughs> how am I going to put this gently? The photo can turn the person off from buying the book. Yeah. <laughs> That's very true, and I, that, that's something I probably would talk later about in, in terms of my marketing mistakes, but, you know, I, I do see pictures of authors, and I think, what are they thinking when they have this picture taken? Their, their book is about, um, you, know, some, you know, maybe they're, they're writing a, a Christian novel, and on the back cover they've got a picture of them in their biking shorts. And, and you think, what, what does that photo have to do with what the book is about? What, what is the message that the photo is conveying that, you know, is, is, is separate from what the book is about? And, that, you know, I love animals just like everybody else, but I see so many pictures of people mm. with, with their pets. And I, I really wonder, you know, what, what the reason is for that. I, I just don't, I don't think that necessarily conveys a... A professional image at times. I could be wrong, but that's you know that's that's my opinion anyway. Yeah, those are all good points. Yeah, I've I've seen you know more than one author photo that makes me cringe. The only thing I have to add on that is uh, always carry your business cards with you. Have them ready 
to strike up a conversation with the person your bank I've given them to my bank teller people in line at the post office uh, it's just uh, just something that you always need to have at hand yeah and and that's a good point Victor because I, I forgot to mention that it's not just about going to events every time that you go out your door of your house out into the public whether you're just running to the bank or you're going to the grocery store or you're going to a book signing people will know you and, and realize that you're an author and they're going to notice you. And so think twice before you, before you go out the door with those jeans with the holes in them. You know, and, and like you said, bring your business card. You, you don't know if you, you might go to the library and people are there talking about your book. You just walk by the bookshelf and there they are talking about your book and someone says, oh, this is the author. And suddenly you're being introduced to your audience. You want to look, you know, you at least want to look professional enough in public for for anything, you have to be prepared for any kind of any kind of meeting that's going to announce to the world that you're a you're this celebrity author that they are meeting with at this moment. Great. Well, that was that was great uh, great refresher on that. I, I, there's always more you can do in terms of professional appearance. It's something like a continuous improvement type thing, I think. All right, let's move on to uh, co-op flyer mailouts. I'm not going to say a whole lot about this. Direct mail is something that people think about uh, when they're starting to market their book. Like the other thing people start to think about is putting ads in the newspapers. Well, thank goodness uh, that's not such a problem anymore. We have fewer newspapers. But uh, direct mail can be very difficult because you're looking typically at response rates of, you know, 2% is considered successful for direct mail campaign and the margins just aren't there when you compare the cost of the postage if I mail out a hundred postcards well that's um, forty two dollars of postage and probably twenty dollars worth of postcards that's sixty two dollars if I'm making ten dollars on each book then I need six percent to break even it's not looking real good there. But the co-op flyers give you an opportunity to, to share mailing costs with other other publishers and authors. There's a couple of different ways to do this. One of them is sort of the, uh, the sheet with many book covers on it. There's probably a better name for it. But Publishers Marketing Association now, the IBPA, does these uh, co-op mailings and they'll target specific audiences like they'll have uh, every month they have a different co-op flyer mailing like it could be mysteries for January and February is romance books and March is self-help books and whatnot and you get to put a book cover on there which is maybe an inch tall in the title and maybe 20 words of text and um, I think on that program the people who get the flyer check off uh, which authors or which publishers and authors they want more information from and then at after the campaign is over they send you a list of people who are interested in your book well i didn't get really good results from that particular mailing i got a lot of interest from people who were uh i guess reviewing books for for very small newspapers i looked some of them up on the internet and they had circulations you know below 5000 which is kind of not a lot the, the other thing you can do is there's co-op programs where they send a bunch of flyers from different publishers, and each each participant gets a whole page. 
So they'll send out a packet of four to eight flyers in a single envelope to save on postage. And the theory is that, you know, you'll get more more mileage out of it because you can afford to send it more places. One really nice outfit that does this is Florida Academic Press, and they have some really good, I mean, they really refine their mailing list such that they're not just sending it to every branch of the New York Public Library, for example. They're sending it to the branches that are responsible for buying books so that your flyers reach people uh, who are able to do something about it. And they they have a schedule they do three or four times a year. But it's really hard to to say when you've been successful with these things. For the most part, it's hard to tell. And uh, I've put a lot of money into flyer mail-outs. And I've also heard uh, people on the self-publishing list say that, you know, they worked for a bookstore and they couldn't throw out the flyers fast enough. So... That's kind of discouraging. So maybe flyers are more successful for library mailings and bookstores. It's hard to say. Um, so it's just one other thing to consider in your marketing mix, and uh, and you might want to step into it uh, slowly. Victor, what kind of costs are you talking in, in terms of a, a co-op flyer and is it beneficial to an author if they only have one book? I mean, you, you talked about a publisher taking a whole page. Would, would a person with one book, would it, would it be worth the while? That's a good question. I mean, you can make a fair case for both doing the, uh, the sheets where there's, you know, 20 books on a page versus and the other case for doing a whole page. It depends on the type of book. I would say for nonfiction, you, you know, you might be able to, uh, to sort of justify doing a whole page spread about uh, a particular book. So I'm not sure that, that you need to have a whole lot of titles to get involved with this. One, I'll tell you about a campaign I'm working on right now. We have this book called Handwriting for Heroes, which is um, to teach people who have lost the use of their dominant hand to learn to write with their other hand. And we looked around and found the Association of Hand Therapists, and we bought the mailing list from them. And so we're doing a specific postcard mailing uh, to these people, and we're hoping to get some success for that. So the, the more specific that you can target your uh, your book, if there's a trade association, or maybe if you're a regional fiction writer, that you can uh, you can always buy mailing lists that are uh, sorted by zip code or you know subselected by zip code. And there's some really good companies out there. Uh, CAS will let you uh, subset mailing lists. And you can look at samples of the mailing list online to see whether it's giving you what you want. So direct mail, it may be for some people in some some situations, but definitely not for everyone. I see we've we've gone over time again, (laughs) thanks to yours truly. And uh, I'd like to give both you guys uh, one last chance if you have any particular uh, marketing advice that you'd like to pass on. We'll start with Tyler. Uh, let's hear if you have any advice for the aspiring authors. Well, I I would say that we've we've covered quite a bit of territory tonight, but there's there's so much more that we could talk about. And uh, I invite them to keep coming back to the Authors Access Show. I know we're going to have many more great guests in the future. Um, and if I can just make a plug for our book, um, there's there's tons of information in the Authors Access book, and we do have our own Authors Access book video that uh, 
was done uh, by Reader Views, and Irene and Victor and I all collaborate on that. So when we're talking about book videos, be sure to, to check that out at the Authors Access website. For sure. One of the things that um, I want to bring up, and we were going to talk about this in the uh, marketing mistakes, is uh, I mentioned that this a, a bit about Twittering. You know, eight to ten times per day is a bit much. But the other thing is a bit much is sending emails like new press releases or updates or something on a daily basis. Yeah. It's to a point where, you know, that's overkill. Once a week is plenty on emails or newsletters or anything like that or press releases. Otherwise, what happens is people do get turned off. And I think, you know, by people doing this, I don't think that they're really understanding their target audience and how this target audience buy books or whatever or how they approach advertising or how they take in information. So I want to just really say check out your target audience. How do they buy? How do they read? How do they get their information? Are they spontaneous? Are they methodical? Do they need information or will they just buy it, uh, you know, all of a sudden, oh, I'm going to buy a book? Or are they going to really do some research? And that's important when you're marketing to your target market to know and profile your audience. Great. I I completely agree with you, Irene. I just want to add to that. um, One one comment I was going to make about marketing mistakes is – I see lots of authors who in their marketing materials or on their business cards or just in conversations, they make comments about politics and about religion. And, you know, I I think, again, that's a matter of understanding who your target audience is. And you don't want to assume that just because you're a Democrat, the person that might buy your book is a Democrat. You know, you, you really just kind of need to, again, have that professional appearance and and think about who your target audience is and more than anything try not to alienate them because you want them to be your readers and you want to have a long-term relationship with them and make sure they come back to read your second and your third and your fourth book well said excellent okay once more around the board we've had uh irene watson with readerviews.com tyler tishlar with superiorbookpromotions.com and myself with Loving Healing Press, and you've been listening to another podcast edition of Authors Access, where authors get published and published authors get successful. We'll be back on the air April 8, 2009, when our topic will be how to get your book on the store's front table with special guest Lissa Warren. You can learn more about our guest on the Authors Access website, which is authorsaccess.com. We'd love to hear from you about tonight's show, Please send us your questions and comments to info at authorsaccess.com. Authors Access is a joint production of Reader Views Incorporated and Loving Healing Press. And for Reader Views, this is Irene Watson in Austin, Texas, saying goodnight. For Loving Healing Press, this is Victor Volkman in Ann Arbor, Michigan, wishing you all a good evening.